Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Wolman, Devin Hassan, and Nolan Beilstein. Uh, Jim, we got a full house for this one. I got a four-man crew for the first time in a, in a hot minute. So, uh, hey, we must have a big game we got to talk about today. Did uh, you have to buy another headset for today's no, podcast? No, we had one that's been collecting cobwebs for a few months. So, uh, yeah, I got to dust that off. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, got the uh, the whole band together to talk about our game of the week. Um, this was a very, very lopsided uh, <laughs> entry into the uh, into the poll this week. Um, this week, our game of the week it is actually going right back to the site of last week's game of the week. Back out to Capel at Buddy Eccles Field for the site of a uh, a very very contentious matchup in District 66A as the Capel Cowboys welcome undefeated state ranked Marcus. Um, yes, this one is um, I guess a chance for a, uh, for some early bragging rights in District 66A. Both these teams are uh, undefeated in district play at least. Marcus undefeated on the season. Capel has the one loss to uh, to Highland Park. So, but otherwise, yeah, I mean they look like you know two of the uh, the elite teams in this district up to this point so a chance for one to make a a bit of a statement i know hebron obviously is still undefeated as well in district can't uh, you know can't leave them out but you know this is um i guess a very uh, very fascinating matchup david you just got to see capel last week in our in our game of the week as they um they actually uh, they earned the other uh, right to be up for this week's game of the week by virtue of beating plano west in a game that certainly had a lot of uh, anticipation leading up to it yeah. uh, capel was able to pick up a 31 to 20 victory on the strength of a very strong fourth quarter you know where is we obviously spent a lot of last week's podcast, you know, going over the, uh, you know, some of the specifics with Capel as far as some of the key pieces in this matchup and whatnot. I'm just kind of, I kind of just want to circle back to last Friday to start this off and just sure. kind of talk a bit about you were at this game. Mm-hmm. So um, when you think back to Capel and what they were able to do to get a little bit of distance against Planet West, because this was a game that was very much in doubt for a while. They had to rally from a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a deficit there in the fourth quarter. What um, what did Capel do well? I guess um, in the end here and just kind of talk a bit about what they did to make that comeback and ultimately win this one by double digits well they they didn't allow Plano West to score any points in the second half that helps yeah yeah, yeah of course um they're actually down 20 to 14 at halftime in this game and mm-hmm. um a couple big plays on defense um Kenan Peters he got moved from cornerback to outside linebacker a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. uh three weeks ago if you counted today um he uh he had like a one sack that uh prevented uh Plano West from pick, from kicking a field goal, mm-hmm. and this I think this came right after uh, uh, Tyler Harrell. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Yep. Uh, had a I think a second interception of the game, and so like that prevented them from scoring. And then also in the fourth quarter, um, he had another interception. Like right after uh, he had an interception right after. Uh, Kid Peters did after uh, Capel went ahead twenty four to twenty, mm-hmm. and that allowed uh, Capel to open the game up right there. So okay. those are two huge plays right there. Um, uh, then Capel was able to string 
some drives together there in the in the in the fourth quarter right there. Um, Jason Agu got it started off with four straight runs, allowed mm-hmm. him to get the go ahead touchdown. I think it was the KJ Leggings right there on an eight yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Um, he got cut the ball like the at the four yard line. You know, made a move. You know, you know he's very physical down there in the red zone. Dove for the touchdown, and then um, Capel added another touchdown late to make it thirty one to twenty. So uh, whenever Capel had to make some plays, they did. Um, they like. It's an like there are times that they're kind of held down. They either had a turnover, or like they had a play that didn't go their way, and it, it, it like in their some of their games, it's just like you know you know Capel might have some trouble stringing together drives, like in the Plano game, mm-hmm. like the previous week. Uh, they, they were up uh, about twenty points in that game, yeah. like over twenty points in that game, and and then. Uh, they, like they had some trouble in the fourth quarter, you know, stringing t- together some drives. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the third quarter, you know, Ryan Walker threw for three touchdown passes. So it is is it's a Capel team that whenever they have to make plays, they get it done. And now Capel's four and one on the season. They only had four wins the entire last year. So um, this is a team that's you know finding out how to win close games. I talked with the Plano West head coach Tyler Sukup yesterday, for that matter, just to kind of get his perspective, kind of looking back on that game against Capel. And one thing yeah. that he mentioned, especially there late, was that he felt like Capel, quote unquote, outtuffed his kids. And you know that's uh, you know not much of a, a surprise when you think of just Capel and just the pedigree of that program, especially up front. Yeah. That's um, that's a program that's churned out a lot of Division One caliber offensive linemen over the years. So to hear that Capel was able to you know get a bit of an advantage in the trenches. And, you know, like you mentioned, Jason Ingwu really got going there late uh, to help kind of ice that game. Um, I wasn't surprised to hear that Capel was able to kind of put away West with a, uh, with a pretty similar manuscript to how they've done in the past. Um, so, yeah, I can see. I mean, Capel, they've, again, they've been blowing and going. They're very much a, a, in, a, in a bounce back mode after missing the playoffs last season for the first time since, what was it, 2011? 12. 12. Ah, one year off. So close. Well, you're close. Um, but obviously, you know, it, the, the level of competition ramps up a little bit this week because you have, I mean, what's, uh, you know, what was the projected favorite to win this district coming into the season? And Marcus has certainly lived up to that hype, you know, yep. undefeated. Devin, do you recall when the last time they were undefeated this far into the season? No, I don't. No? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah. I, I did go back and look it up, though. It was uh, 1995. Okay. Was the last time they had an undefeated regular season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a team that just you look at the raw numbers and I got to see this team in person for the first time last week against Plano in a matchup that, I mean, they just, they blew the doors off Plano. This was 56 to 17, a very worthy follow-up to their 55 to 14 uh, demolition of Flower Mound and the Mound showdown the week prior. Um, Again, a lot, a lot of talk coming into this year about this offense, especially the passing in with the continuity that they had, a quarterback with Garrett Nussmeyer, an LSU commit who's one of the top quarterbacks in the state, and um, just some of the experience that they had out wide with J. Michael Sturdivant committed to Cal, Dallas Dudley, really, really promising junior. And, I mean, so far it's been as advertised, you know, 463.6 yards per game, 47 points per game. They've really, really come on strong since their Week 3 matchup against Keller Central. Um, they've scored at least 49 points their last three games and it really reflects in the play of Nussmeyer who the offense is naturally kind of kind of built around you know for uh, for the longest time Marcus was one of the most uh, run-centric offenses in the area I mean there were years when it was like 75 to 80 percent run for them and you know it's uh, it's kind of odd now because the roles have reversed quite a bit this year and they're one of the uh, I can't imagine there are too many offenses that are almost 60 to 40 in favor of the pass you know as much as as much as offenses have opened up in recent years with the spread and all that you still see you know it's usually like you know 55 
45, 45 in favor of the run and whatnot. But this is a, a program that understands the talent that they have, you know, with their with their passing game and behind center. And they've um, actually last week's game against Plano, that was the first time all season that they've actually run the ball more than they've passed it. Um, so just to kind of give an idea as to what to expect there, because, you know, there were some questions coming into the season as far as what Marcus's run game was going to look like. I mean, Tyson Edwards was a workhorse of them last season. As much praise as the passing game got last year, Tyson Edwards was a huge, huge reason why that team won district. And without that workhorse, they've turned to a bit of a committee. But it feels like in recent weeks that they've slowly started to find a bit of a rhythm on the ground. Gabe Espinosa, Walker Wells, Cade Navarro, who was a big standout in that game against Plano last week. You know, usually you're only going to see them maybe 7 to 11 carries apiece. You know, but they all kind of take turns. And they've all shown that they can, you know, at least work not only as, uh, as rushers, but as receivers as well. And when you factor in what they've already got out wide, it's such a, uh, a multifaceted passing game, you know, with Sturdivant. I mean, he scored on a screen pass last week against Plano. But, I mean, I remember, you know, when he first, uh, you know, moved into Flower Mound, seeing him over the summer in 7-on-7 seven seven, and just how he was torching opposing secondaries in 7-on-7 seven seven just on deep balls. I mean, he's, you know, he averaged, you know, right around, you know, 20 yards a catch last season. He, you know, he can stretch the field as well as Dallas Dudley. And, and then they've got, you know, uh, let's see, uh, Connor Vaughn, who's a, just a massive target at tight end. In addition to Tyler Schott, there are just so many weapons to keep track of on the field. And you, I mean, it's, it hamstrings a defense so much when you couple that with the job that Nussmeyer does in the pocket, evading pressure and buying time. And that was one thing that was really, really apparent against Plano and what a, you know, Plano's head coach Todd Ford called a lot of off schedule throws, just Nussmeyer's ability to make plays on the run when he's flushed out of the pocket. And I mean, he's playing with so much confidence right now. There's not a throw out there that doesn't feel like he can't make, um, you know, he's, let's see, he right now he's um, at, at uh, 1,560 passing yards on the season. He's got 20 passing touchdowns. I believe he's had at least four passing touchdowns his last three games. I mean, he's in such a good way right now. Um, only three interceptions on almost 180 passes attempted. So, I mean, it's it's a passing offense that is very much for real. It's going to be a bit of a different wrinkle than what Capel's seen as far as running into a pass-first offense and one that can attack you in, you know, so many different ways because when you factor in how good Nussmeyer is at buying time, I mean, that that puts so much stress on the secondary because you can only cover receivers for so long. And, you know, Marcus's receivers kind of thrive in those situations as far as kind of improvising off their original routes. And, you know, with Nussmeyer not being bashful about letting it fly and attempting a difficult throw. And um, I don't know, it's just it really makes it tough on opposing secondaries. And Plano just had its absolute hands full in that one. Um, so let's see. I guess um, that's, you know, some stuff on the offense. Um, Nolan, I know that you had um, some numbers that you would track down regarding this matchup. Um, just what did you, yeah, what did you come up with as far as kind of building some some, uh, some intrigue for this one on Friday. Yeah, just uh, just to start out, I've never seen either of these teams play. Yeah, so. you're still you've only been here a so. week, so <laughs> you're still kind of getting a feel for all this. And yeah, so what'd you what'd you come up with? Yeah, take what I say with a grain of salt, but um, I just <laughs> just doing unbiased numbers and just seeing that Marcus has won their games by an average of 27 points. So if Capel's going to be able to hang with them, they're going to need to play error-free football. Yeah, and I was looking at uh, quarterback Ryan Walker of Capel, his stats this season he's got 17 passing touchdowns and six interceptions on the air which wouldn't seem too bad except all six of them have come in the last two games both against district opponents mm -hmm. four of them were against Plano a game they only won by two points so if you're going to get in one of those shootouts I feel like you know just be wise to take care of the ball as much as you can mm -hmm. and don't give them any extra possessions you know, Devin, you were um, just kind of talking a bit about just from a from an intrigue standpoint. You know, obviously, I know these aren't two teams that you're terribly familiar with and whatnot. But you know, obviously, given the ramifications of it being a you know a, a potential, I guess, a chance to establish an early front runner for the district title, um, what is um what is what intrigues you about this matchup? 
I think it's the first time Marcus is really going to get tested. That's yeah. I, I don't, that's I don't a big think one. I don't think they've really beaten anybody. Not to take away from the, the, the oh, teams that they played. Um, whereas Capel, I, I was leaning Capel for a while on this because I, you know they they went toe to toe with Saxy and they're not going to be intimidated by Garrett Nussmeyer. Mm-hmm. They've seen very good quarterbacks. Alex Orgy at, at Saxy is very good. You know, Braden Shager over at Highland Park. They went toe to toe with Highland Park. Yeah. Uh, took them down to the wire, and so I'm sitting there looking at their level of competition. And then I saw the Plano game, and I, I get that they turn the ball over a lot, and it just. But that, that's what scared me off. But I think this is going to be the first time Marcus is really tested. Mm-hmm. I really like Capel's weapons on the outside. Um, I mean, obviously they're a balanced on a uh, uh, unit, but uh, you know, just with with a guy like KJ Liggins, this is a game where he might get targeted fifteen times mm-hmm. um, and just give him a chance to take over. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a close. It's going to be a good game. Um, again, I haven't seen Marcus play. Marcus, full disclosure, is one of my nim- teams on the picket line. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they play. I always seem to get them wrong. Yeah. So um, that kind of made me weary in general. But I think it's going to be a great game. It'll be, I guess, I think on paper, the most dynamic offense that Marcus's defense has played up to this point. Marcus's defense, you know, for all the praise that you know we heap on the uh, on the offense, their defense is only Jesuit's the only team that's cleared twenty points against them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's they've been really really stout on that side of the ball. And it was kind of the defense that set the tone last week against Plano because Plano actually was having some success moving the ball on them, um, just, you know, especially through the air. And then they get down in the red zone. And then um, I believe it was Mark Vassar who has a, a sack to back Plano up into, a, into, I guess, into fourth and long. They end up going for it. And then um, Emmerich Depona, a, a linebacker who transferred into the program from uh, reigning TAPS Division One state champion Parish Episcopal, he has an interception. And that just right there just jolts life into the Marcus sidelines and then off the offense went. Uh, you know, Plano got down into Marcus territory not too much, you know, further down the road. And then it was Tyler Ganey, another linebacker who had an interception. That's one thing that they've been really adept at is they're really stat when it comes to forcing turnovers. They've had at least two takeaways in every game this season. I um, you know they've got a lot of talent up front back from last season's district title team led in the middle there with uh, Hunter Sanders, Ty Strauss. Um, they had the uh, the defensive newcomer of the year, Bryson Barber, another defensive lineman for them. They did a really good job in um in one of the more because you know I I was looking over the resume too and I wasn't really sure what to make of it because uh, technically four of those teams that they played made the playoffs last year, but some are going through, you know, different phases and whatnot with Jesuit graduating E.J. Smith, Flyer Mound graduating all its skill talent from last year. So that's what makes it a little bit tough to, you know, to read into just how, uh, you know, how tough that uh, that Marcus schedule has been up to this point. But I was really impressed with the job that they did against McKinney and slowing down R.J. Carver, who's, you know, one of the uh, one of the better power backs that you'll uh, that you'll see in the uh, in the Collin County area. And they held him to under three yards of carry. That's you know pretty solid work there against uh, against a guy who I think the week prior against uh, against Plano he ran for like over 200 yards and whatnot. So um, you know some effective stuff up front. Like I mentioned, Depona, Tyler Ganey, uh, Mark Vassar. They've got a lot of athletes in the. Uh, in the uh, in the middle of their defense, Ganey, who's actually uh, used to play running back for them in previous years, he's being used more exclusively on defense this season. Um, they've got some experience in the back end and the secondary with Christian Espinoza, Ty Johnson. Um, like, they check a lot of boxes. It's been a really, really well rounded team for uh, you know again for as much praise as you know gets heaped on the uh, on the offense. Um, but nevertheless, um, David, you're um, you're actually going to be at this game. I am. Now, once again, you get the game of the week. Lucky you. I know. So what, is, so what is so what is um just kind of talk about what are you excited for most as far as this matchup goes? What are you most anxious to see? I'm just anxious to see these offenses yeah. go at each other. I mean, 
this is not going to be a 15 to seven game. Yeah. Last year it was. That's why I'm kind of curious <laughs> to see how much, uh, how, yeah, how much has changed in, in a year's time. Yeah. I looked at the stats from last year's game. Both teams finished under 300 yards of offense. Yeah. It wasn't. So that's, that's, I think that's going to change a little bit this year. I think both of the first teams. Half, be, first half numbers. Yeah, yeah. First half numbers. Um, so I'm just eager to see, you know, like how uh, Marcus defends uh, KJ Liggins right mm-hmm. there, because obviously he's compels number one, you know, target on their offense. So yeah. I'm eager to see how they defend him. Um, I'm eager to see, you know, if Anthony Black can continue to, you know, continue what he did. He had another touchdown last week. Um, he had, th- I think he had three against Highland Park a few weeks ago. Wow. And so um, this, this game last week, uh, he had, uh, it was like a 26 yard touchdown pass and he, he was sliding towards like the corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. He, he caught it inbounds. So, I mean, that, that could be like, you know, dark horse in this matchup right here. Um, obviously, Nagu, if he can, you know, get, get going, he can, you know, run burn some clock right there you know take some t- take some uh, snaps away from Nussmeyer right mm-hmm. there um but and then on Marcus's side as well too you're eager to see how well like you know Nussmeyer just can't handles a defense that's you know thrives on turnovers yeah um this they've already forced I think uh, 11 turnovers in five games that's pretty that's, that's pretty impressive pretty high figure yeah <laughs> yeah so um I'm eager to see you know what kind of pressure he's going to face how the, his offensive line is going to handle that right there because they do you know thrive mm-hmm. on you know blitzing put a lot of pressure on their quarterbacks so um I'm eager to see how that goes so it, it's it's going to be a heck of a game on Friday yeah for all of the uh you know the prolific numbers that Marcus put up even last season with all the talent that they had on offense um this was the one matchup where I think above all others they really had a tough time getting anything going in yep. like you said it was 15 to 7 which coming into the game I think we would have been saying a lot of the same stuff I don't think we would have foreseen Marcus's offense you know putting up only 15 and needing overtime to do that mm-hmm. for that matter against uh, against Capel but yep. you know Capel came into that game with, with basically with the intent on trying to blitz and pressure Nussmeyer at all costs and they were able to mix up their blitzes and attack from so many different angles that it just kind of it really just kind of kept that passing game off balance for most of the way they didn't score in the first half in that game uh, it's told third quarter that they didn't score yeah and it wasn't really until they actually made a uh, a change in the in the backfield and i would just mentioned tyler ganey one of their standout linebackers he actually had one of his best games as a running back last season um is really kind of lifting up that offense he had 92 yards in that game most of them in the second half and he actually was the guy who willed them to the finish line there in overtime mm-hmm. you know whereas you think i mean you expect to start of overtime okay we're going to put the ball in the hands of our district mvp and just let it fly they actually did nothing but run the ball they ran the ball four straight times in that overtime period and then Ganey scores they get a two-point conversion then they get a stop on Capel the following uh the following series but I mean yeah it was in and this game has been close in the past you know I know Devin you mentioned that you know they're not going to be intimidated by Nussmeyer and they don't have any reason to be I mean they held him to just 15 points last year and then they beat them the year prior when Nussmeyer was just a sophomore they beat him 24 to 23 so it's been a game that Capel has been very much able to get up for in the past so you know I guess it if you're Capel now even though you come into this game as a as an underdog you know at least head coach Mike DeWitt you know has these last couple of years to draw upon as far as some sort of blueprint as far as something that you know okay we have evidence that this is how you knock you know Nussmeyer off his game and you know that's not to say that it's going to you know carry out just like it did last year you know on Friday you know Nussmeyer is obviously a, a bit more experienced and he's playing you know, some of the best football of his career but nevertheless though Capel has shown a blueprint for slowing him down and now the onus shifts to Nussmeyer okay well how much have you learned from a year ago so mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see 
if the, if Capel's defense can match their effort from last season. And like you said, Devin, I just want to see if they have to work out of any sort of adversity because that's the one thing with uh, with Capel. You look at just their uh, their pathway to this game versus Marcus's. Marcus hasn't trailed this season. You know they've played with they've played with an advantage every step of the way. And the, the, there were times against McKinney where they had to work out of some uncomfortable spots. They only totaled, I believe, 15 rushing yards in that game. You know they had to throw the ball almost 50 times with Nussmeyer. I think Nussmeyer actually was their leading rusher in that game too. Which you know in hindsight, I'm sure obviously uh, you know Kevin Atkinson, their head coach, probably would not not like to see that too many more times going forward with the uh, the talent that they have in the backfield. But you know it was uh, I mean, but again, that was a game that they ultimately ended up winning 27 to 10. You know versus Capel, who had to rally from behind. You know late against uh, against Plano West, they were they mounted a big comeback, uh, near comeback against uh, Highland Park in Week Three, and you know put a put a minor scare into them for a little bit. But um, you know that's a team that certainly had to work out of some situations that Marcus, up to this point at least this season, hasn't. Now I know that was kind of Marcus's mo last year because they won so many close games. You know, so someone like Nussmeyer is not going to be phased by having to rally from a little bit of a deficit. But every year's different, every team's different. So they just this team specifically though hasn't done it yet. So I'm just curious to see if if Capel can make them a little uncomfortable on Friday. Um, as far as predictions go for this one, where are we leaning, folks? Nolan, you're brand new to the picket line this week. No pressure. <laughs> now, what was your, uh, yeah, I don't know what your thought process was for two teams that you're still, you know, learning about and whatnot, but um, where did you ultimately land on this one? Just hearing you guys talk and the numbers that I came across while doing a little research, I feel like it's not an exciting pick, but the safe pick would be Marcus. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going to go with this week. Start off 1-0. Oh. Look to like to keep that percentage at 100 throughout the season. (laughs) (laughs) Devin, how about you, man? Where did you land on this? Well, I kind of tipped my hand earlier, yeah. um, and I, I did go with Marcus. I did, I did think about it though, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just when I looked at Coppell having, you know, you know, kind of seeing them having common opponents with some of my teams in my market. Uh, I, I think Coppell can beat them. I just right now, I, I, I'm giving the edge to Marcus. Yeah, I, um, I went with Marcus as well. Just it's a vote for Nussmeier not getting bamboozled for the second straight time by Coppell. I mean, again, just the throws that that kid was making last week. I mean, he really has grown a ton since his since his junior year. And like I said, there's not a out there that he doesn't feel like he can't make right now. And who knows, maybe playing against, I think Capel is at least on paper, you know, perhaps the best defense that they've seen up to this point. So perhaps against a more uh, a more seasoned and a more uh, precise secondary that, you know, maybe you get in some trouble with some of those throws. But there's just, uh, there's just a lot of weapons, a lot of ground to cover on that uh, with that offense. And I think the ultimately that just proves to be a little too much for Capel, despite Capel getting this game at, uh, at Buddy Eccles Field. Um, so yes, I like Marcus to remain undefeated as well. David, you're going to be at this game, so I, am. I have to tip your hand. But um, where are you leaning on this? <sighs> no pressure for me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a very close game right there. I mean, both of these teams, you know, it, based on the last two years, it you know, with last year going to overtime, then last year, would you say it was a two-point game? Two years ago, it was a two-point game? It was a one-point game. One-point yeah. game. 24-23. It, it, it just feels like it's just one of those rivalry games. It's the way the things have strung out the last two seasons. It's going to be one of those again right there. But um, I think the difference in this game right there is just going to be like one or two turnovers. Like Capel's like, they've had some trouble um, just protecting the ball recently. Obviously they had a, they had a two, inter- they threw two interceptions that would, and uh, had a fumble, lost fumble last week. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those turnovers led to 10 points for a Plano West. So that, that leaves me a little bit concerned about Capel right there. Um, so just based on that reason, I think that, 
Marcus is just going to pull this one up, but maybe by a touchdown or a field goal. Okay, so there we go. Um, we are uh, unanimous. We think Marcus gets it done, defeats Capel to stay unbeaten, and in pursuit of a back-to-back district championship. And that is our uh, is our game of the week. Once again, Friday, seven o'clock, out at Buddy Eccles Field in Capel, a matchup for uh, some early six six A bragging rights between Capel and Marcus. All right, guys, let's look at the rest of our Game of the Week docket. We had four other games that were up for consideration, including a couple in Frisco ISD, one of which is Thursday, 7 o'clock, out at the Star. Um, is it, do you think this is a playoff eliminator in 758 Division Two, Devin? What's that? Liberty? Yeah, Liberty. 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 Not sure. Not sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Off in La La Land. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I yeah. think it's a little bit too early. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's because both teams are, are coming in. You know, with solid records, I mm-hmm. think there's still a lot to be said. Um, you know, Liberty, I mean, you know, we talk about Kelter Cluster every week. How and, can you not, man? This kid's incredible. Um, well, you know, yeah. but it was he's still a sophomore. I know. And I think you saw, even though he put up ridiculous numbers again last week, um, it wasn't by his standards. Yeah, and yeah. he had the four interceptions. And that's just a testament to how good Frisco is and how good that Frisco defense is. I mean, Lebanon Trail is still such a young program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of going through this for the first time. Uh, they have some weapons of their own with, you know, Drew Martin and, and Greg Hatley and Drew Donnelly on the outside. I just think if you look at the the big plays for, mm-hmm. for Liberty, not just with Keltrick Luster, what he could do on the ground, but, you know, Evan Stewart and Connor Holstein, they each average 20 yards a catch. Um, you know, Dave, Jonathan Bone on the ground, mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's very capable. Um, and I think they have playmakers on defense, even though it might not reflect in the stats always. You know, guys like Will Glatch, who we've talked about before, making that shift from offense, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Daniel Ajay. You know, just people like that. I, I just think I think Liberty has the edge in this. Uh, but, again, you know, Keldrick, a sophomore quarterback, and, and coming off that game, how's he going to bounce mm-hmm. back yeah. And you know, from their, you know, from his their first district loss? Um, but it should, be, it should be a fun one. Because I guess in, in a sense it was only a matter of time before somebody made him look like a sophomore. Yeah. It's because he's just exceeded every expectation they could have had for him, which is some of the numbers that he's put up the first half of the season. I um, you know, I did a uh, I did a stats column, basically just going down and basically just digging up, basically through the first half of the season, who are the overall stat leaders in Frisco ISD football up to this point across all 10 high schools, in, you know, passing, rushing, receiving, tackles, sacks, interceptions, all sorts of good stuff. Um, naturally, Kelter Cluster was quite Graded out quite highly in this. Obviously, he's the leading passer in the city with 1,603 yards. He's second in rushing with 790. I mean, so, and I think you've already dropped this stat in the past, but if you just, his per game offense, just how much his passing and rushing accounts for alone right now, it is at 398 yards, which for comparison's sake, that alone is more than any team offense in Frisco ISD outside of Heritage. So that's, I mean, just to put in perspective as to what this kid's doing up to this point it's just my goodness is it impressive and obviously yes it helps to have you know one of the top receivers in the state evan stewart on the outside and you know a san diego state commitment connor holstein to throw to i mean they've got a they've got a lot of talent there around it for sure um but nevertheless so yeah i do think that uh, just a little bit too much firepower for lebanon trail who can score who's shown that they can get in shootouts for sure but um I just, uh, I'm, it's very tough to pick against Liberty in any sort of shootout cir- circumstance, given that, uh, you know, what number 12 has shown so far. So, yes, I like Liberty to, uh, to win this one as well. And this is one that we were um, unanimous in. We all picked the Liberty Red Hawks to get the win over the Lebanon Trail Trailblazers in a meeting between potential playoff teams out of 7-5A Division Two. Um, Nolan, let's talk a little bit about another key matchup in 6-6A. This one, 7 o'clock Friday at Neil Wilson Stadium in Flower Mound. The Farman Jaguars, they host Louisville. You got to see Louisville last week in your first game with us. A team I have seen. 
Louisville's <laughs> offense uh, bounced back in a big way, hanging a hanging a fifty burger on uh, on Plano East. Got a very very convincing bounce back victory after that uh, surprising loss to Plano West um, with Flower Mound. Almost had a chance to take care of Hebron in overtime. They uh, they actually had a chance to win that uh, to win that in overtime. But and we've seen this a little bit surface in uh, you know in co- at the college level and in the NFL. But attempting a field goal on second down. It did not go well for the uh, for the uh, for the Flower Mound Jaguars, and then Hebron was able to put this game away and win twenty five to twenty. So um, yes, Hebron, uh, you know Flower Mound still in search of its first district win. Louisville looking to further climb the ladder and get back to you know, I guess the level that you know some folks had them at heading into district play. So talk a little bit about this matchup, Nolan. What intrigues you about it? And ultimately, where are you leaning? Well, uh, I've seen two teams since joining. Here, and um, one of them is Louisville. <laughs> and I saw Taylor Green throw for over 350 yards. I saw Damian Martinez rush for over 200 yards. And um, just skimming through some 6A leaders across the state, I saw that Damian Martinez has already eclipsed 1,000 yards. Yes. And, um, and it's leading <laughs> the state in 6A and the second place still in the 700s. So What a year he's having. When you're not throwing for almost 400 yards, you can also wear a team out and milk some clock with the guys. <laughs> rush for 200 yards potentially every game. So they scored a season-high 56 points last week, and um, they're facing Flower Mound, who have scoring 17 points a game and a minus 46-point differential in district play. So I just – I don't I haven't seen Flower Mound play, but I really don't think that they can hang with them, mm-hmm. hang with Louisville, so that's why I would – side with Louisville for this one just uh yeah I, I do wonder about just kind of the ceiling for the for the flower mount offense um I will be you know you know they've only scored obviously more than you know more than 20 points one time this season um but nevertheless one thing I'm kind of on high alert for in this game is after watching Louisville and just the struggles they had against Plano West you know, I do think there's still some elements of that flower mount defense that can give them some trouble um you know and I I'm just curious to see if, you know, if Flyerman, if they're able to have a little bit of success up front, if Stone Eby is able to put a little bit of pressure on Taylor Green. And if they, I mean, because you, you take aside that, uh, that Marcus game where they, I mean, just got absolutely just mauled, you know, 55 to 14. And their defense has been really, really solid all season long, um, including, I mean, they had a matchup in week three against, uh, you know, uh, Mansfield Timberview, who's ranked, you know, number six, number seven in the state in 5A Division II. Um, they only held them, I mean, they held them to 18 points. So they can play defense at Flyerman, to be fair. And I'm curious to see. If Louisville's offense, you know, if they, if any of those demons from the Plano West game resurface at any point in this, because otherwise, I mean, that maybe put a little bit on high alert if Louisville's offense struggles again against another, you know, at least above average defense. So just something to kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, heading into this one. But ultimately, kind of like you, though, I think that I just don't know if Flyman can score enough to hang with them. You're so not doing the upset, I'm not. I'm going oh. with the uh, with the Farmers in this one as well. Um, let's see, uh, David, where are you leaning on this one? Uh, I'm leaning uh, uh, Louisville as well, too. Mm. Just too too much firepower. I mean, it's, you know, I think Flower Man's defense can maybe hold them down for a while. But when you're not scoring, like, points the way that Louisville is capable of scoring points, you know, it's like they're going to run out of so much steam after a while. So um, it'll be close for maybe a little while. Then I feel like Louisville is going to be able to kind of wear them down a little bit, and that's when they take off. Yeah. Martinez is a heck of a weapon to go to if you're trying to wear an opposing defense down. Yeah. Um, hey, did I look at the flower bound stats wrong on their rushing numbers? 
What are you seeing? Are, are they are they averaging less than two yards per carry on the season? Because I know Max Preps is not always is not always one hundred percent correct. But just by going back in the, and seeing a couple of their game recaps, you know, obviously they can move the ball through the air at times. But I just didn't realize that their ground game had, had struggled that much. Yeah, it's, there's not a ton of experience there in the backfield, yeah. and that's you know worth you know certainly worth noting. And I believe um, you know up front as well, they're a little young too. I mean, this is a team that only returned you know I, I believe two starters from uh, you know from last season, so. Um, so yeah, it's it's that doesn't surprise me. And yeah, you just you look at some of the uh, just the numbers they've been able to post, and yeah, it's been an offense that's really still. I mean, there's talent there. You know, Nick Evers is a you know potential Division One prospect. Parker Clark is a really really dynamic receiver, but just haven't really hit its stride yet. So um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to score points against uh, against Louisville unless you got a that's some Plano West magic working, and I'm just not sure that'll be the case Friday. So we are all in unison. We uh, we liked Louisville to get it done against Flower Mound. Let's go to a game where I know there is at least some dissension. And that is another matchup in Frisco ISD. This one, a pivotal matchup in 5-5A Division One. I. I mean, yeah, with uh, with what Lone Star and Den Ryan have shown as far as being the top two in that district, and now it looks like basically it looks like that last pl- those last two playoff spots are going to be some combination of Independence, Reedy, and Wakeland. And would you, what do you know? We got Independence taking on Wakeland Friday, seven o'clock out at Toyota Stadium. Um, let's see. Um, Devin, what are you uh, just kind of? What are your thoughts heading into this one, and where did you ultimately end up leaning? You know, we talked a lot about Independence at the very start of the season, and just what a dynamic offense they they had, the potential that they brought, and then they go out and they go start to win three, and um, you know, but you look at who they lost to. They, they played Frisco as tough as anybody yeah. in, in losing, and that's what that Frisco has turned into. I mean, they, they've just been running it's over. Certainly, lost its age quite well. Yeah, yeah. How easily they've handled everyone else, and then they went toe to toe with Wichita Falls Rider, who's a five and one mm-hmm. team, uh, and then they lost to Reedy, who's you know a, a good a good football team. Uh, and we talked about Braylon Braxton not putting up Braylon Braxton numbers that mm-hmm. we were expecting. Kind of, they had the, the time off with the with the COVID case. Yeah. Um, maybe give them a chance to regroup, kind of refocus. Uh, you know, Braylon Braxton didn't put up video game numbers, but he didn't need to last week. They won six three to seven. But what I what jumped out to me was twelve fourteen passing. Mm-hmm. Um, a very efficient, uh, one hundred sixty eight yards. You know, they they have the, the balance. You know, in the backfield, uh, and I, I think I, I think they may be turning a corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wakeland um, has. An, Certainly, put together an impressive body of work. I mean, yeah. you, when you're when you're five and one, uh, you know they certainly have the, the the weapons on offense as well. You know, Peyton Lewis is coming off. I mentioned the, uh, Braxton's efficiency um, last week. You know, Peyton Lewis ten to fifteen for three forty last week. Oh, ten, ten completions for three hundred forty <laughs> yards and five touchdowns. Thirty four yards of completion. Yeah, I, I think I'd take that any week. Uh, and then you combine that with Jared White in the backfield. Mm-hmm. He goes over two hundred. Uh, they had a pair of two, uh, 100-yard receivers. I, I guess the only alarming thing um, is Wakeland gave up 37 points in the first four games. Mm. Then they went in, they ran into Ryan. I, I, you kind of throw that one out. Yeah. Uh, but then they gave up 31 to Heritage last week. And this is a, this is a dynamic Heritage oh, offense. Yeah. Heritage is one of the best offenses in the area right But, now. you know, they have a, a dual-threat quarterback of their own who went for almost 500 yards. Mm-hmm. And now they have Braylon Braxton, who I just said I think is kind of turning a corner and kind of rediscovering himself. I just think that may be a bad combination with uh, with Independence rolling in maybe at the right time for them. Yeah, as much of a uh, as much of a it kind of threw us off the scent with them with that loss to Reedy. You, you got to do kind of keep in perspective that was their first game at 21 days, yeah. and the COVID shutdown hangover is real. <laughs> we've seen, I mean, I believe just about every team that we've had that's had one of these multi-week layoffs, they've looked completely different for a little while in that. 
first game back. Allen, great as Allen is this season, top five ranked in the state. They only had 21 points through three quarters last week against McKinney. Boy, they were up 21 to nine in that game, and then they scored 21 in the fourth quarter, got it together, and wound up running away with it. But, you know, Salina lost to Aubrey in its first game after a multi-week uh, you know, hiatus. It's just it's just tough when you're away that long, yep. and um, I, so that's why I kind of don't want to you know you know read as much into that as I probably did initially, just because it's you know the COVID shutdown hangover is very much real. We're seeing, so I'm kind of in the same line as you though. I think that this is and maybe this is just because we've kind of been married to you know thinking that they're due for one of these games mm-hmm. and one of these statement performances. But I like independence as well. But um, and I know you do too, David. I do. So Nolan. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you leaning? Oh, obviously, uh, this is a Wakeland victory just waiting to happen. Based that on absolutely nothing. Yeah, it it is strange to look at the you know picking a one and three team over a five and one team. I know that's the thing. It's... It wouldn't be shocking though. I'm not. I'm just no, like no. I said. I don't want to say it straight up. It would not be a shocking outcome if Wakeland. I mean, they have. I mean, Jared White is leading all five A running backs in rushing yardage right now. Yeah. He's been amazing this season. And if you're looking for the kind of offense that could potentially limit the snaps of a Braylon Braxton and keep that offense shackled to the sidelines, what a better option than the five than five A's than the uh, the Metroplex's five A leading rusher. So um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Wakeland pulled this off in the slightest. But um, nevertheless, though, this is three and one, a three and one verdict in favor of Independence to get it done um, over uh, over Wakeland in a pivotal matchup in five five A Division One. Let's close this out then with a look at a matchup between Mesquite ISD Powers um, and a matchup with two teams that. Um, just trying to get a district win right now. <laughs> trying to get a little bit of forward momentum for that uh, in that playoff picture over in District 10-6A. This one is the renewal of the rivalry between Mesquite and Horn. 7.30 Friday at Mesquite Memorial Stadium, right? Yes. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if that was, if it was that or handy. Um, so, yeah, like I said, both teams need a district win, though. Mesquite, heck, Mesquite needs a win right now. It's been a really, really tough start to the year for the Skeeters. So, um, just some thoughts on this matchup and um, where you're leaning. You know, Mesquite's a team that you just keep waiting to, to have that kind of breakout performance. Um, you know, they've had some, they had some close losses early on. Last week it was just they, – they, they lose 57 nothing to Rockwall. It was a game that got out of hand early, and I think that's just when you say, hey, let's not – let's stay healthy. Let's work on a couple things. Let's get some younger guys in, and let's just put it behind us and move on to the next week. Well, th- that week is here, and this is essentially a playoffs eliminator. Um, mm-hmm. These teams are built 0-2 in district. Yeah. And uh, when you look at that district, Rockwall looks like the clear favorite. Um, but Skyline has kind of been a surprise. They're 2-0 as well. Uh, beat Tyler Legacy last week. Rockwall Heath has that offense. I think they're going to be right there as well. Mm-hmm. That doesn't leave a lot of room for those third, uh-huh. that fourth and final playoff spot, especially coming from an 0-2 hole. Uh, you know, with Mesquite, it's just been a struggle offensively to kind of find their identity. They're, they're averaging 15.6 points. Um, they, they've used two different quarterbacks. Uh, Hunter Nucci and Chance Edwards started the year rotating. They've kind of rolled with Chance. Oh, he, did, he did miss. Chance Edwards did miss a game due to injury. Uh, they've been rolled with him full-time of late. Um, just trying to generate plays. You know, they, they threw the ball 30 times last week and passed for 98 yards. Uh, and, and not to say there's not talent out there. Jamarian Woods and Cameron Boger and Kervin McCarthy, uh, you know, on the outside, and KB Frazier in the backfield, they do have some the talent, the skill position. They just haven't been able to put it together just yet. Going against a team that I think is – has a lot of talent on offense. Mm-hmm. The consistency is lacking. Uh, you know, Horn gave up 69 points, but they scored 51 last week against <laughs> Rockwell Heath. But the week before that, they played North Mesquite. They were only able to put up 21. Um, and that's just kind of what you find. Darius White, uh, 
who uh, they moved to quarterback. He was one of their leading tacklers early in the season, but they just couldn't find anybody to fill that quarterback spot. Darius White, obviously a great athlete, mm-hmm. so they, they shifted him to the opposite side of the ball. Uh, and kind of last week is what you get with him. 18 to 35 for 328. Obviously, spectacular numbers, three for four touchdowns. They also threw for four interceptions. So, I mean, you kind of take the good with the bad. And when I saw them a couple weeks ago with North Mesquite, he had receivers open. He just, you know, he's a guy still adjusting to a new position. Um, But he also, uh, you know, brings that element on the ground. He went for over 100, 100. 30 and two touchdowns on the ground last week. You know, Camden Taylor, Edric Ruff are both guys that will get the ball out of the backfield and line up on the outside. Chris Dawn uh, has been a big play guy. He went five for 152 and two touchdowns last week. Uh, so that they do, their skill positions, if Mesquite, once you get into shootout with them, it's, it's not going to end well just because Mesquite is still lacking that cons- that overall consistency. Mm-hmm. Horn is getting it in bunch in spurts, but it's still, if it comes down to a shootout, um, then, then I give Horn the edge. Plus, I mean, last year it, it was this game was highly anticipated. Mesquite goes on to make the playoffs, but Horn won this game thirty-five to fourteen, yeah. and um, they did so on the ground, and they were able to control the clock. And I mentioned, you know, guys like Camden Taylor and, and Edric Ruff being able to run the ball, uh, and they just kept it out of Mesquite's hands and and lead on that defense and, and guys like Terrence Johnson and Charles Dimmings and Jordan Prince. Um, so they could look back to last to last last year's game and, and go, you know, we got three guys averaging six six and a half, six and a half seven yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we could just pound them and not have to risk the interceptions through the air that. Um, that, that you know could happen with a, with a young quarterback. Yeah, so Devin likes Horn to get it done against Mesquite, and uh, you're not alone, Devin. We all like Horn to get it done <laughs> against Mesquite. So, yes, a unanimous pick for the Horn Jaguars to win a pivotal matchup between Mesquite ISD rivals. Before we get out of here, let's take a look at, I guess, the rest of the picket line, let you know what some of the other games that we made predictions for this week. Um, let's see. John Paul II and Fort Worth All Saints, a pivotal matchup between uh, TAPS teams. Um, John Paul, despite the narrow loss to Parish Episcopal, last week. It's been a bit of a down year for All Saints. I kind of thought All Saints might have a little bit more. Uh, but nevertheless, though, that is uh, unanimous. We are all leaning JP2 to get it done against All Saints um, in that one. And let's see. Um, then Thursday night, a matchup in 5-6-A. Uh, Prosper after a, a heartbreaking last-second loss to McKinney. Uh, not to McKinney, but to Denton Geyer. They travel to McKinney to play the McKinney Lions. Uh, we like Prosper to bounce back in this one. We are all taking the Prosper Eagles to get the win over the McKinney Lions. We have uh, a rivalry matchup in Plano ISD in District 66A. Plano West, the subject of our Game of the Week last week, they looked to bounce back against rival Plano East, who was looking for its first win of the season. There was a little dissension in this one. We are 3-1 uh, to one in favor of uh, Plano West. Uh, Devin, okay, you are the lone descent on Plano East <laughs> Island. You and, uh, you and Matt Diggs. Yeah, I'm about to say me and Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas uh, myself, David, and Nolan are taking Plano West. Um, we had a little bit of dissension in this other one, too, uh, over in, uh, in Garland ISD. This one was a 2-2 split between Rowlett and Garland. Garland High. Um, I'm picking Rowlett, as are you, Nolan, uh, David, and Devin. <laughs> You've got the lead, right? So if I... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, bulletproof. I'm never wrong about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, David and Devin picking Garland. And then our last one was West Mesquite against Tyler over in 7-5 at Division One. We like the Tyler Lions to get it done in that one. So, um, and just to give you all an update on our records up to this point, Nolan, you're starting with a clean slate. We're actually working in someone on the picket line mid-season for the first time ever. Nolan, you're Zero and zero, so uh, can only get better. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then uh, David and Devin, you two are tied at thirty-nine and eighteen on the season, and then I'm up forty-three and fourteen. So uh, we'll see. 
what uh, what that all means as the uh, as week seven gets underway on Thursday. Um, let's see. Before we go, let's talk a bit about our coverage plans for the week. Which games we're going to be at? Oh me, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know which way you're going. Yeah. That was really that was a really quick turn of the head right there. There you go. Um, on Thursday night, I'm going to be at Toyota Stadium to cover Lovejoy at Frisco Memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interested to kind of see what Chris Ross has done with this five and zero team so far. Score lots of points. They're scoring lots of with Ross. Lots of lots of points. Yeah, and then um, up Friday I'm going to be over the game of the week. There you go. Uh, let's see. For me, my Thursday gets rolling out in McKinney. I'll be at McKinney ISD Stadium for the aforementioned 5-6A matchup between McKinney and Prosper. And then I'll be shifting over to Plano for Friday as Plano East and Plano West square off at Kimbrough Stadium. Got a tough act to follow last year after uh, Plano West was able to snap its 34-game losing streak after erasing in eight, was it 17 or 18 points in the fourth? 18 points. An 18-point deficit in the fourth quarter uh, to come back and win 36-35. to 35. Uh, Just wild game. Tough act to follow, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, a chance for uh, for East to get its first one and Plano West looking to, uh, I guess, further climb the uh, the playoff ladder in 6-6-A. Devin, what's your schedule look like? Uh, well, it's just they decided to shuffle the deck in 9-6-A. I ended up not having a, yeah, a game out there on Thursday night. Uh, Friday, uh, I'll be at the aforementioned uh, Mesquite and Horn game. Uh, but it's going to be an all-day thing. They're actually doing their Hall of Honor ceremony that oh, cool. day. Uh, I'm part of the selection committee, so it's Ooh, an exciting thing you. there. So they're doing the actual induction mm-hmm. ceremony that afternoon. Uh, and then having the uh, on-field ceremony that night at the game, but it's it's really cool uh, for those who have actually been out to uh, to Mesquite to see how they've done the Hall of Honor. It's just it's only in its third year, I believe, uh, but they do a really good job with it in recognizing some of the some of the uh, you know great athletes and great coaches and whatnot in Mesquite ISD. And Nolan, what have you got going on later this week? I am off to John Clark Stadium, right in mm-hmm. Plano, where they will take on Hebron. There you go. Plano Wildcats and the Hebron Hawks. Another matchup in District 66A. Um, so, yeah, you can follow us all along on Twitter. We'll be tweeting out updates all throughout the course of our respective games. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday to talk a bit about what happened in our next episode of the podcast. So, um, yeah, that'll wrap it up for today. Um, yeah, until next time, folks, you take care, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.